Welcome to Stupid Not Stupid. I'm Matt, here with my man Jason, the co-host who eats Bantha fodder for breakfast and death sticks for dinner. (laughs) (laughs) That was on the spot, too. I had no idea what the intro was going to be for this one. That's pretty good. Yeah? Okay. All right. I'm just trying to keep the tradition going. Isn't it Bantha Poodoo? I thought it was Bantha... No, Poodoo is like the curse word. The fodder is like actually the food that the Bantha eats. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know which one's like a worse insult. Well, I was going to say, it's, just, it's a question of timing on that. Yeah, but. I mean, you know, coming in and going out when it comes to Bantha, it all that's looks a, the same, right? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> what comes out one end, we feed to the other. Right? <laughs> um, yeah, speaking of deadly cycles, Jason, uh, what are you drinking? Uh, I've got a bottle of The Truth. And uh, in, a, in an ironic twist, uh, I'm drinking some of Dr. Andrew's booze. Oh, nice. <laughs> so I've got some Angel's Envy. Okay, great. Well, I've, um, I've got a tropical concoction of various fruits, alcohols, and uh, Red Bull <laughs> that uh, I had to assemble because it's hotter than a sauna on Mustafar in here, and I needed something tropical to help cool it off. Yes. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's, it's like a... Like an afternoon in Tatooine in this place, yeah. It's very warm. Have you seen those uh, those travel posters that they do for like the different locations in the Star Wars universe? Like, visit the dunes on Tatooine, the adventure awaits. Yeah, those are awesome. But was there, there was another one like, uh, view the wildlife on Yavin 4. <laughs> Hunt Ewoks on... <laughs> Um, well, this is usually where we would do, I guess, we're stupid edition, but we really fucked up, Jason. Oh, yeah. we. This is a colossal we're stupid. I mean, yeah. this is this is kind of the reason that we started the podcast was for the May the 4th Literally, edition. Literally. Yeah. That was the entire purpose of the podcast. Yeah. yeah. And I had to text you on literally May the 4th, and I just said, we fucked up, and you knew immediately what I meant. You it, Like, you're, the, the synapses in your brain didn't even have to fully fire, and yeah. you realized what we had done. Yes, exactly. We got to throw it back. We're not recording this on May the 4th. We're not releasing it on May the, fo- May the 4th, but we're going to call it May the 4th edition because it's relevant yeah. to May the 4th be with yes. you. And it seems very on brand for us to be doing this like a, like three <laughs> weeks later. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, back to the question, or I guess the genre, the, uh, the category that began it all. Uh, we're going to do our, uh, our yearly Star Wars question, and this year's question is a good one. Jason, stupid or not stupid? The Empire were the good guys. Yeah, I think that's pretty colossally stupid. <laughs> I, I thought you might have like, I, I was I was thinking you might not have a side on this one, mostly because I asked you when you walked in if you had thought about this and all, and you're like, I watched baseball. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I thought you might be like sort of gray Jedi on this, just in the middle. So no, this is my issue. Like, I don't disagree with the Empire, but I don't think that they were good. <laughs> okay. All right. Well... So this is a question that's been in the Star Wars universe for a while. Yeah. But the thing that made me think about it was not even the uh, the original or the prequels or whatever those other movies were. Um, right. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, but watching the the season one of The Mandalorian, there's the the guy, the client, who's played by he's actually played by a pretty famous actor who's been in a bunch of stuff. The guy who hires all the bounty hunters, the quote unquote client, the guy with like the Norwegian accent, who's, yeah. like, who's like a retired uh, uh, Nazi. What is his name? It'll come to you. Yeah, it will. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. he's famous. Uh, he is, but he's famous for being like a writer and a director. And like, he does a ton of other stuff. He's yeah. usually not an actor. But he's always a bad guy too. Yeah. But I, well, that might undermine my argument here. But <laughs> <laughs> but he has a quote when he's uh, when he's talking to the, the Mandalorian and they're just having, I don't know, friendly banter about the state of, uh, what is it, Navarro or Navaru? What is that the planet they're on, Navaru? I think that's right. Yeah, yeah the mud planet as opposed yeah. to the... The desert planet. <laughs> or the forest planet or right. the ocean planet yeah. or the lava planet. <laughs> uh, so talking to Mando, which again, 
it's like the forbidden dagger we named the mandalorian mando <laughs> give me a friggin' break right yeah but uh the client system mando the empire improves every system it touches judged by any metric safety prosperity trade opportunity peace compare imperial rule to what is happening now look outside is the world more peaceful since the revolution i see nothing but death and chaos and i gotta say i think the the client's powers of perception are spot on here he doesn't even have any midichlorians and his senses are finely attuned. He's right. Look outside in the post Republic universe, and it's not, or in the post Empire universe, and it's not looking so great in the Star Wars universe. So first, I just remember the guy's name. It's Werner Herzog. Uh, he looks like a Werner. Right? <laughs> yeah, he comes from a proud tradition of Werners. Right. Yeah. Um. And second to your to your point, uh, this is an argument that was made about Napoleon historically uh, as well. I about that, the Roman Empire too. Right. Yeah. Just because you bring peace and stability doesn't necessarily mean that it's a good thing. Okay, but let's frame, let's, I think we should get this straight from the beginning here. We're not saying the empire was good. We're saying the empire were the good guys. So right. it's a comparative, it's a comparative analysis here. Someone, if we're going to have a question and there, is there a universe where there is a clearly defined good and evil, the light side literally versus the dark, is there a more binary question than in this can't, cinematic, cannot, what, how do you say the word? Canonical. Canonical. Canonical universe. Right. Then this one. This is the perfect place to ask this. So I guess who is the least evil of the the sex, the power cores uh, in, in this universe? And Yeah. But I think what you're going to come down to is the Jawas, not the Empire. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, looking at it from that lens, Jason, I think the first argument here to the path to not necessarily the dark side, the path to that the Empire were the good guys is that the Republic just didn't work. I mean, I think, I think that's the place to start from, because if you're going to assume that the Empire was bad, then we have to assume that the thing that either they replaced or was trying to replace them is good. And essentially, the way I look at it, nothing the Republic did worked. When we go back to episode one, the entire thing has developed into a bureaucratic cesspool that's incapable of action. Who are the key power players, right? Episode one, Trade Federation, the Banking Guild. You know, whatever that robot guy who has to like dial his chest to talk like yeah. those are the guys who have come to power and are capable of action and not even a queen of a planet. First of all, we still have hierarchies inside this democracy. That seems kind of weird, but we <laughs> literally can't get her voice heard and be a catalyst for action on the Senate floor when people are. But the death toll is catastrophic or like the op is like the opening holograph right. like, message of the sh of the movie. The death toll is catastrophic. We must bow to their wishes. You must contact me. So there are a bunch of contradictions there. First of all, you have an elected queen, which makes no sense at all. Okay, well, um, excuse me. Right. But secondly, this is, this is more a judgment on democracy than it is a, a discussion of bureaucracy to me. I've had this argument with, like, engineers a million times, and they're very upset about the, the idea that politics and government affects science and engineering programs within the federal government because the process is very inefficient. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's a feature, not a bug of democracy. You know, democracy and efficiency are inherently opposed, right? Mm -hmm. The point of democracy is that, it, is that everyone's voice is heard before you come to a decision in which everyone negotiates and comes to an agreement 
and no one is happy, but no one is left out in theory. So right? I'm not going to argue that the emperor wasn't an authoritarian dictator, but I'm going to apply the same logic that you just applied to that. I'm just going to say the militarism and the oppression are just, a, you know, a symptom of this you know, peaceful, uh, prosperous system that the empire has installed. It's, it's two, well, two sure. sides mean, of the same coin. You can always have peace and stability if you're imposing it on people with military force, right? Like, that's not freedom. It's just stability. You're saying that you would rather have your, let's say you're a moisture farmer in, in, on Tatooine in the Star Wars universe. You would rather have... Yeah, but I'm have... going to Military Academy pretty soon. Yeah. <laughs> after, after you head over to uh, Tosh, what, Doshi's, Toshi's? <laughs> Toshi sta Toshi Toshi Station. Toshi Station. For yeah. some power converters? Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> which turns out to be a strip club. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one of the greatest robot chickens ever. And Toshi Station is proud to present the Power Converters! Oh, yeah! <laughs> um... Uh, you would rather have a uh, a place where you can complain in the open streets about real politic than a stable market for your moisture <laughs> and right. a uh, you know a safe place to send your kids to sand farmer school. Well, uh, and again, and this is an issue that I have with our current democracy. But using science fiction to discuss this, the the moisture farmers on Tatooine don't have a right to to live a complete, safe, normal, profitable life in a fucking desert, right? Like the, they're choosing to do so and then complaining about the fact that life is so miserable. Well, in a universe where you can literally go anywhere, why are you living in a desert on a planet with two suns? But this, <laughs> but, but Jason, under the Galactic Senate, you didn't have the choice to go anywhere or do anything. It was a stagnated bureaucracy controlled by a political elite and mega corporations. The empire is a meritocracy. Anyone can no, rate. It's rise. not. The, the empire is absolutely a meritocracy. No, it's not. <laughs> anyone? Okay, let's, let's. Anyone can join. You get promoted based off your skills and exploits. Anyone can join, but you're often often conscripted. I don't know. In Solo, as they're going through the uh, the train station there in the in the escape scene, it's it's totally optional. The guy comes. And, if, listen, if it wasn't right, optional, yeah, he could go why, to jail why would or you he even, could go to the military? Right. Why would you? But no, he wasn't avoiding jail. He was avoiding the mob. And I just want to point out, too, under the, the Empire, the mob was actually cracked down on. We'll get to that. But he was avoiding the mob, not the authorities. The authorities, the Empire, is actually what saved him from crime. I, that's a ridiculous argument. That's, but, not an, that's not an argument. That's just a, that, that's what happened in the film. He was in the mob and had been so as a child, had been brought in as a child and had stolen enough money to get off planet. But then the mob was using the military to catch him and his girlfriend. Because didn't she get caught by? No, I guess she did get. No, caught they're by being the mob, caught right? by like mobs. They're being chased by mobsters, and he escapes by joining the empire, the imperial infantry. Okay. Well, again, a, 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 uh, an example of one is not a particularly <laughs> uh, compelling argument to me. Okay. But well, I think the foundation of this whole discussion is that the, the republic didn't work. But let's go through some of the reasons that you know I believe that the Empire was the good guys, and we'll start- I, I want to go back and scratch okay. on that for just a second. The idea that the Republic didn't work. What we were seeing was a small faction of the Republic that was not getting getting recompense for their grievance, but that's not to say that the rest of the Republic was completely wholly dysfunctional. There were a whole lot of people in that Republic that voted against Naboo and against doing anything for Naboo because things were working just fine for them. Okay, well, I think we're going to get to a discussion on voting, and I would agree with you uh, with the exception of, um, I don't know, 
the rampant crime, the criminal underground, the slavery, uh, the constant, it seemed like, warfare even... Slavery was in the outer territories. That was not part of the Republic itself. But when the Empire rises to power, they go out and bring order to the Outer Rim. And one of the things they do is remove slavery. Except that they didn't remove slavery. Yes, they did. Then what was going on with Leia in Jedi? So that's a great point. No, so this is not only Leia in Jedi. That's actually a good point uh, in, in my when I did my own research for this. Uh, that's actually a great point. And not only Leia and Jedi, but actually the, the Twi'lek who uh, Jabba has as well. Yeah. And the reason that Jabba is in his like remote, like backwoods of the backwoods spot uh, on Tatooine is because he's had to retreat so far to such like a crappy hellhole to be able to live the lifestyle to which he has become accustomed with slaves and all this other nonsense. And he was basically in his last refuge. And the only reason the empire hadn't decided to, to squash him out was because of the connection to Han Solo, which they were more interested in. I, there, there was a counter argument to this on the, uh, that you just raised was a prevalent one, uh, on the, uh, Quora and 4chan and, uh, so, Reddit forums that we usually source our information yeah, from. Except that there are other huts, right? Like there are other huts on Tatooine that we're, we know about, but there are mm. other huts like on other planets, which we find out about in the Mandalorian. So this crime family is actually not just on one planet way out in the outer territories. It's, uh, mm. it's all over the place. So the, and he was powerful enough that he could send bounty hunters throughout the Republic to go after Han Solo. The most powerful crime family that had the most slaves that was able to grow and flourish under senatorial governance and rule mm -hmm. was not fully stamped out by the events of the original trilogy. I will grant you that. But slavery <laughs> as a practice, such as, you know, the random pod shop, junk shop owner who owned a slave, widespread uh, through civil society slavery, had been eradicated by the Empire. Net positive. Only good guys would do that. Uh, except I don't think it was ever addressed, right? Like, Anakin the was a slave. expanded universe it's addressed. Uh, what part of the expanded universe? Like, this, is this still canon or no? That's the part. I don't know what's canon anymore. <laughs> in, in the novels, in the, the graphic novels, the actual novels, the Timothy Zahn novels, and like the comic books and stuff. Right. Yeah. Which none of which is canon anymore. Yeah. But you know what's weird, though? It's like it's not canon, but then they bring Thrawn in. Right. Anyway, they like choose things to bring from it. So yes. who knows? Right. Yeah. yeah. But we haven't seen Mara Jade yet. So. Yeah, that's true. Right. Okay. Well, like I said, I, I think the thread that's going to run through all of this is that the Republic didn't work. And so then by comparison, the Empire were the good guys. So let's just go through some of the stuff about that I think proves that the Republic didn't work. And you just tell me what you think, Jason. Okay. I'm sure it'll be the opposite of what I think. Yes. But, you know, like, even well, if I don't agree with my argument, I'm going to make it. Yeah. <laughs> So we've talked about some of the fundamental issues that uh, plague the efficiency of the Galactic Senate, but its greatest Achilles heel and its greatest inefficiency and perhaps its greatest flaw is obviously that George Lucas wrote it. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> is obviously its over-reliance on the Jedi Order. Sure. We could have a whole nother episode on if the Jedi were good or not. I guess, quick aside, a Jedi objectively bad, an, an objective net negative for the Star Wars universe, for the you know, the galaxy as they knew it? I don't, I, it would be hard for me to say that they were a net negative, but I am completely in agreement with the idea that they were a solution for a problem that perhaps no longer existed and they had become a, an overly rigid ideological organization. Mm -hmm. And I would argue that this was actually sort of the detriment of the empire as well, is that once you become so rigid, you're not adaptable to new circumstances. And that's where the Jedi found themselves, it, is that I think by the end of the Republic, 
they probably were not a net positive. But over their entire existence, it's harder for me to make that argument. And by the by the time that we get to the Star Wars storyline as we knew it in 1969, <laughs> uh, or as it as it was birthed in 1969, or am I thinking of the moon landing? Did the moon landing in Star Wars happen the same year? No. Star Wars came out in 77. 77. Yeah. Okay. The, I was thinking of the moon landing. Yeah. Something else that's not, that's also not real. <laughs> um, but uh, the the Jedi as we knew them then. I mean, let's just run through their defining characteristics. They steal children. Yeah. They force you to repress your emotion. And well, then, uh, they don't steal children. They recruit children and get the parents to. Oh, they, they just recruit children from right, their parents. Right. Oh yeah, that's better. <laughs> uh, but then I think about it from a from a practical capacity, and I just think of the irresponsibility of they the do it to train them to be Jedi, not to like not to harness their them. power right, for yeah. their own good. Really? <laughs> Why doesn't this grand bureaucracy that the uh, that the Senate has put in place think to you know invest in defense capabilities, invest in a standing army, have some sort of actual military force or deterrent to protect the citizens from which it extracts resources? No, instead it has a KGB style team of people who can practice mind control and use physical force to intimidate and instill fear, whether it be real or imagined, into the populace to exert their will. Wait, wait, wait. So you're telling me that a democratic bureaucracy chose to privatize security? <laughs> right. <laughs> and it didn't work out. Yeah, that's the never Jedi happened the in real life. Yeah, the Jedi are the ultimate form of privatization. Je and look, it, and it goes with this theme that runs through here, the banking guild, the trade union, the techno union guild, all of these, all of these other corporations who the government is entirely reliant upon for innovation or well, communication to that point then what exactly does the government do collect taxes for what purpose it, to pay the salaries of the senators like it exists what's that famous quote the bureaucracy exists to feed the growing needs of the bureaucracy well first of all i disagree with that because like <laughs> working in washington dc i actually see what the bureaucracy does on our in our federal government and it's not doing that in fact, it's starved to death more frequently than not. I, I agree with that. I'm talking about George Lucas's fictional universe. <laughs> right. I, and I, I think that there is something to what you're saying, because George Lucas, I think, is a fairly libertarian minded individual. I don't think that he actually has a whole lot of use for uh, liberal small L democracy. Um, I think that he sees it as inherently weak. And I just personally fundamentally disagree with that assessment because I think it's a one sided view. I just look at it as the highest and first use of tax dollars responsibility, the highest and first responsibility that a government has in terms of the administration of the taxes it's, it collects is to provide for the common defense. And what is the Galactic Senate chosen to do? Hand it over to a bunch of basically a religious cult, cult a bunch of kooky space wizards and tell them, keep things under control while we use the money for other things. Right, but the kooky space wizards were the police force. They weren't the military, right? I'm sorry, what are they all referred to during the Clone Wars? I forgot. Well, General that's, Kenobi, that's what General I'm Skywalker. Once there was actually a need for a military, they didn't go to the Jedi. They went to the clones. And then they just put the Jedi by in charge of them. accident by accident. Well, I mean, technically, yeah, there was a, a uh, Sith Lord who went and <laughs> no, a Sith Lord hijacked the process. A rogue Jedi who saw what was wrong with the system and foresaw the dark events on the horizon went out and ordered the clone See, army. See, this is the ambiguity of the stories in the prequels, right? Like, mm -hmm. was it a rogue Jedi or was he in fact a Sith? And they never make that clear. I think in the uh, comic books or in, in, I think in the video games too. Actually, I think in Clone Wars also, they, you know, in Clone Wars, they definitively address this. There's a 
whole three episode arc of Sifo-Dyas in Clone Wars. That's where they address this. And he was he was trying to stop Sidious. Hmm. Well, let's go watch it after this. Okay, that's yeah, fine. And then yeah, we'll no, do I, it. On, and then we'll do it. it on I just genuinely yeah, don't recall. Yeah, then we'll do it yeah. on more stupid for the next episode. Right. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, but my broader point is, and we really went down a rabbit hole on this yeah. one is, I don't I don't feel like that the Galactic Senate here is providing for the common defense adequately. There's definitely an over reliance on the Jedi, and the lack of a standing military force is just one element of that. I I can't. There's I I don't have a counterpoint to. The lack of a military. I don't know if there was one or not. We certainly don't see it. And can we also agree, you know, there is a uh, moral blurry line here in terms of, look, you don't have the uh, traditional force deterrence. Uh, so you roll in the Jedi and what do they use as their principal weapon besides fear and intimidation? Mind control. I mean, I'm not sure that's something I could condone or get behind. If I was a uh, unself-interested galactic senator, I'd have to speak up and say something. I don't know why you're so comfortable with that, Jason. <laughs> Well, I don't think that the Jedi were like, they don't have the inherent problems that you have with like a private security force, right? There is an indoctrination that is lifelong with these people where they're punished for not upholding principle. And that's not something that you necessarily see with whack and hut security or even, you know, like police unions all the time. And this is not this is not me trying to dump on police at all. I think that most police are actually quite good at what they do and have a, a strong moral compass, but not all of them. And there isn't a I don't think that there's a particularly effective self-regulation within those ranks in the way that I think was hinted at with the Jedi. Hmm. Well, it still doesn't still doesn't give you a free moral pass on mind control. And it doesn't erase the fact right. that there's no. But the mind control force. only works on the weak-minded, so that's <laughs> that's kind of on them, right? That's on you, right? Yeah. That's on you, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so there's there's the military. I say after the military, the next thing that uh, uh, a government, and certainly a government of the prolific size of the Galactic Senate, is uh, is required to take responsibility for uh, in exchange for its collection of taxes would have to be the economy. And what's the one constant thread, or I guess what's the one the one consistent location that we see generally throughout the entirety of the Star Wars timeline, whether we're looking from, you know, Clone Wars all the way through, I think, except for the final three movies, is Tatooine, right? So there are different times that we visit Tatooine under different conditions. And the first time that uh, we're in Tatooine is where is when Qui-Gon tries to use Republic credits to purchase um, repairs for the Nabooian, what do they call Is it a frigate? I don't know what class it is. But anyway, they're trying to get their ship repaired. And they basically scoff at him and say, that money is worthless. Like, that's not going to work out here. Right. It's basically devalued currency that's laughed at anywhere outside of the borders in which it's circulated. Right. And then he tries to mind control his way out of the problem, <laughs> and it gets laughed at. <laughs> Don't don't try to bleed arguments together, Jason. <laughs> um, so we have, you know, a demonstrated kind of consistent theme here that at least in areas outside the immediate, and now we're talking distance in relative terms here, but the immediate vicinity of Coruscant, the currency of this government isn't something that's broadly accepted. It's the it's the uh, you know whatever they are using in, Arge in Argentina these days. It's the Argentinian <laughs> currency uh, of the galaxy. Yeah, at but, this point, I think leaves are currency. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then we come back to Ta Tatooine at uh, at different times in in the Star Wars timeline, and Luke Luke pines to leave his farm. He can't wait to leave, but he can't because it's too expensive for his uncle to hire extra hands to work on the moisture farm. Why? 
because the economy is booming and it's way too difficult to access the workforce necessary to expand your agricultural operations on, on Tatooine. When Luke sells his land speeder on Tatooine, the same place, just, you know, a short, like, handful of decades earlier, he gets Imperial credits for it almost instantly. He, there's a seller's market. He's able to immediately get meaningful currency on the spot uh, to aid in his escape. Also, when Jabba lists all of uh, his bounties, he pays in Imperial credits. Everywhere we look, Imperial currency seems to hold value across the entire galaxy and seems to be totally stable. The economy seems to be booming as far as I can tell. Well, I would argue that Tatooine was not part of the Republic. It was it became part of the Empire, but I don't think there was a governing structure from the Republic on Tatooine. Right. But that just proves my point even more. The, the Empire has spread peace prosperity well, that's and literally the and, definition and of empire. currency well no, no. the spreading aspect is literally the definition of empire right <laughs> <laughs> but my my broader point is here let's just look at from economic indicators do we know that the tatooine populace wanted to be part of the empire i i would argue that most of them were probably pretty happy under the old system the slaves you mean no, no, that all of the people you, that were not using Republic credit. Yeah, the people who were exploiting the system and living under a barter and trade style hand to mouth. Right. Well, like Tatooine sustenance. was very much like the U.S. South in the early 1800s. Right. right. And the, those like <laughs> I'm not with, saying it's a good thing. Right, I'm just saying that it was not part of the Republic. power and influence passed generationally down with a, you know, tight oligarch controlling access to all the resources. This is why. God, I can't. I don't want to talk about these movies, but that's why Ray is like an indentured servitude who has to dehydrate or has to rehydrate her food to eat it, and has to go scavenge parts to be able to get little soy cubes because that system has returned. Literally, look at it's bookended, right? Like on on these desert planets. It's, was Ray on? Is that Tatooine that Ray's on? I can't remember. Uh, it's another desert planet. Yes, I think so. Yes, I, I, I think, think it, it is. is. Okay, so we're we're back at Tatooine again. So you bookend it. Conditions shitty on Tatooine in the prequels. Mm -hmm. Shitty on Tatooine in the what do you even call those three movies? The uh, sequels. Yeah, the J.J. Abrams trilogy. The J.J. Abrams trilogy. <laughs> And relatively stable with a booming economy and valuable currency while the Empire's in control. Right. And that is definitely a theme that Lucas instigated from the very start was that all of these governance systems are cyclical. And that was his point was that, you know, you would always have the rebellion that would then come in and institute sort of, again, small L liberal democracy that would eventually overreach and stagnate and collapse. And you would have an authoritarian power come in and that would then devolve freedom but provide stability but then people who wanted to be free would rebel against that and fight against it and it w and the cycle would repeat right I, I agree with you that all those things happened what i'm saying is the best time to be alive in that cycle was during the period where the empire was in charge well it depends on who you are if you're a slave yeah if you're one of the you know if you're jabba far less so for the <laughs> the, the rank and file just joe schmo the best time to be alive would be under Imperial rule. Come on, Jason. I don't think so. I okay. really don't. I think that, I, well, first of all, I think it sucked under either circumstance. But there has to be a good guy and a bad guy. So I'm look, they're all objectively not great, but there's a good guy and a less good guy. There's a bad guy and a less bad guy. And I'm saying that Imperial rule, like if you had to pick, that's where you want to be. I fundamentally disagree i'd rather be able to figure it out on my own than be than, than have that than have that stability imposed upon me at, at gunpoint so there was another there was another uh thing that you mentioned that uh 
from the the mind of George Lucas uh, this uh, this cycle. Uh, I'm not sure. I I totally agree with you that you know the democracy collapsed and it was it was re- replaced by this authoritarian rule. Uh, I don't know if you remember this, Jason, but democracy didn't die at sword point. Democracy died to thunderous applause. <laughs> In order to ensure the security and continuing stability, the republic will be reorganized into the first galactic empire for a safe and secure society. So this is how liberty dies. A thunderous applause. (laughs) <laughs> they voted for this. The the Senate realized themselves what had happened, that the system wasn't working, that it was broken, that they needed strong centralized government. And they voted to be reorganized into the first galactic empire. No, that was choosing efficacy over coalition building. Actually, Jason, you just missed a golden opportunity there to try to undermine my uh, Darth Jar Jar argument that he was using mind control in the entire Galactic Senate. I don't know how you swung and missed at that one. Uh, but let's let's remember how we how the Empire was born by a vote, sure. by democratic consent. That's how the Empire was birthed. Yeah. Well, that's not counter to anything that I said earlier about the cyclical narrative, right? It's not. It's not. Well, that there was no power in your narrative. There was a over. in your narrative. There was a collapse. There, there was no. There was no collapse. There was definitely a collapse. There is no reason for those people to be voting for authoritarian powers if they didn't think that things had collapsed. So let's say that you're right. Does that mean then, by default, that the rebellion is correct? Because well, those by- are two different things, right? You have this bureaucracy that reaches a point of intransigence and inefficiency to a level where nobody, like, as I said, you know, the point of democracy is that nobody's happy, but everybody learns to live with the compromise. Well, this is a point where nobody's happy and nobody's willing to learn to live with the compromise because there's basically no compromise happening. And so in the name of efficacy, they give more power to a centralized authority. And that's how you end up with democracy going away. But that authority then overreaches, and that's where you have the rebellion. But my point is, is that authoritarianism was democratically chosen, where the rebellion instead- It doesn't matter. Like how, it doesn't matter how the authoritarianism starts. I think it, I think it does matter. I think if you had to do a compare contrast, let's look at this. The, the empire comes to power through a democratic motion. The rebellion tries to come through power through military force. Right. Through a hyper, hyper minority. At one point in the J.J. Abrams trilogy- the entire rebellion's down to like 14 people in a galaxy of trillions, and right. they're still like fighting to put to, to push their crazy ideology. Even at the height their of crazy ideology, I like that. I'm gonna I'm gonna remember that as <laughs> they have. Well, listen, they sure they have aspirations, but they have no plan for how to actually govern. When the when the rebellion is successful at the end of the first trilogy, in that interim period where we have the Mandalorian and what other? I don't think any of the other cartoons or anything deal. With that point, that the Mandalorian is really the only thing that bridges the the end of four and the start of, or I'm sorry, the end of six and the start of seven. So I guess that's the only real look we have into it. But it's not like a great place. And then when we get to episode seven, I mean, things things are a mess. They've basically retreated from all of the outer rim. They came to power, but with no plan to rule. So is it 
Yeah, they might have had the uh, the academic argument. Like, I would agree in an ideal utopian scenario, I would like to live under the world that the rebellion envisioned. But the rebellion brought that vision forward through forced terrorism and guerrilla warfare and brought it to a system that they had no ability to control. At least the empire provided stability and certainty. The rebellion aspect, though, the, the force to overthrow the authoritarianism, that's, that's basically how every democracy has started. That's how it works. You're looking at democracy as like the ultimate positive endpoint. Do you think it's I'm possible? I'm not. I'm just saying that it is the counterpoint to authoritarianism. Do you think that the, it, is, it is possible for the uh, broader Star Wars universe to be governed successfully by anything other than authoritarian rule? Well, because there's certainly no evidence to back that up anywhere in the uni- in the Star Wars universe. Well, again, I don't I still am completely confused by what you mean by effective governance. Like everything that you're talking so everybody about Everybody has food, everybody has a job, not everybody, everybody has, has food under the the empire. Not everybody has safety. Not everybody has like all of these things that you're talking about as though it's like this universal good. It's it's not true. Like Han Solo doesn't run away from the empire because they're feeding him too much. He runs away because he finds himself part of a machine that is systematically destroying people and crushing them under the will of the empire. He's, they're systematically destroying and crushing people who are trying to disturb the peace, unity, and harmony no, no, of no, no, the no. world that Look the empire is building. Look at the beginning of Solo. When he, when he first meets Chewbacca on that planet, that is not a rebellious planet trying to overthrow the empire. That's the empire walking in and taking over a planet. Right, to, to provide order and stability and bring them into the imperial system. They didn't ask for, system. they didn't want, and they had no fucking desire for. <laughs> Look, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying building a, a prosperous and, and better galaxy is pretty, Jason. I'm saying that they're, at least they have the ability to execute on their vision, and people aren't suffering as a byproduct of their inability to do so, like the rebellion. Well, first of all, I completely disagree with that final point. I mean, the simple fact that they're killing people in order to install their government on this planet indicates that people are definitely suffering because of their ideology. Secondly, just because their ideology is effective in its, in, in its execution does not make them good guys. <laughs> I'm not saying they're good guys. I'm just saying they're the good guys. I thought that was the whole this... point of this argument. No, no, no. no. They... They're, they're good guys in this scenario. They only have to be better than the rebellion. That's that's the only bar they have oh, to wow. meet. Wow. Now, I see. We're, we're moving the goalposts. So, no, we said this we at were the talking beginning. About it. We said it was a, it's a binary choice. So someone right. has to be the good guy and someone has to be the bad guy. They only right. have to be a little bit less bad. That's all they have to be. Well, I don't. I, that's... That's a radically different statement than there are good guys and bad guys. That's saying that there are so bad you're guys saying and it's possible guys. for they could just the whole universe is just fucked and they're all bad. Right, which is actually far closer to my view of not only that science fiction universe but our own. So we're we're arguing ideology now. It's pretty clear what the rebellions is. They're like dem, like neoliberalism, neoliberal democrats, right? So I found this thing and I'm excited about it because I don't think you knew about it. I asked you right before the show. Yeah. The uh, the Tarkin doctrine. Yes, and, and this I have is, not heard of this. I'm this is official canon. This. Okay, right. so this is a speech that uh, Grand Moth is it a moth? Moth. Grand Moth Tarkin gives. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to paraphrase, or I won't paraphrase. I'll read the uh, points here that are salient to our discussion. But this is this is how the the the, the grandest of the moths right. opens opens his statement. Yeah, he's not Moth Tarkin. He's Grand Moth. That's right. That's right. <laughs> The factor that contributed most to the demise of the Republic was not, in fact, the war, but rampant self-interest. Endemic to the political processes our ancestors engineered, 
The insidious pursuit of self-enrichment grew only more pervasive through the long centuries, and in the end, left the body politic feckless and corrupt. Consider the self-interest of the core worlds, unwavering in their exploitation of the outer system for resources. The outer systems themselves, undermined by their permissive disregard of smuggling and slavery, those ambitious members of the Senate who saw only status and opportunity. The reason our emperor was able to negotiate the dark waters that characterized the terminal years of the Republic and remain at the helm through a catastrophic war that spanned the galaxy is that he has never been interested in status or self-glorification. That's right, Palpatine. On the contrary, he has been tireless in his devotion to unify the galaxy and to assure the well-being of its myriad pop populations. For the first time in 1,000 generations, our sector's governors will not only be working to solely enrich Coruscant and the core, world, core worlds, but to advance the quality of life in the star systems that make up each sector and keep spaceways safe, maintaining open and accessible communications, assuring that tax revenues are properly levied, levied and allocated, so not just for the core worlds anymore, Jason, and improving infrastructure. Infrastructure week. Let's go, Empire. Right, right. Infrastructure yeah. week. That's great. This bold vision of the future requires not only the service of those immaculate of reputation and consummate of skill, again, we're in a meritocracy here, Jason, in the just exercise of power, but also in the service of a vast military dedicated to upholding the law necessary to ensure galactic harmony. It may appear to some, <coughs> Jason, that the enactment of universal laws and widespread deployment of heavily armed military are stepped towards galactic domination. But these actions are taken merely to protect us from those who would invade, enslave, exploit, or foment political dissent to pu and punish accordingly any who engage in such acts. They're just trying to protect people, Jason. Right, which is exactly the justification that Russia gave for inv invading Ukraine, right? But the difference is that the, the liberal democracy that Putin's trying to overthrow in Ukraine is actually, actually has the infrastructure and capacity to realize its ambitions and ideals. The rebellion does not. Well, that's a fundamental misreading of recent history, right? Like, the reason that we didn't, the, there were two reasons we didn't want Ukraine to join NATO. One was we were trying not to provoke Russia, which that worked out really well. But the other reason was that Ukraine was very corrupt. The government was like inherently messed up. And until we were able to figure out some way to fix that, we didn't want to get in, in bed with them, so to speak. All right. right. All right, President Clinton, don't wag the dog with a war in Eastern Europe. What do you think about the Tarkin Doctrine? <laughs> to me, I think that was a Kosovo joke, by the yeah, way. Yeah, I got that. I don't know if you caught um, that. <laughs> to me, it's awful. Like the very, the very first aspect you were reading was basically saying that the pursuit of life, liberty, and happiness is not a valuable concept. No. We need to stamp that out. The pursuit of life, liberty, and happiness has failed us, and we have to hit reset. And this is right. the system and that can that's actually right. saying, govern the galaxy. We know better than all of those people what's good for them. No, we've learned from generations of exploitation, corporate greed, political self-interest, rampant slavery. We, the empire, have learned that our ideas are better than theirs and we will impose them on everyone. That's what he's saying. To the betterment of everyone. Yes, that's exactly what he's saying. Right. And, and all of but the observable evidence. what about all the evidence, people who don't agree with their ideas? If they don't agree with them, then... Then th they get they, shot. They can continue being <laughs> just as miserable and unhappy as they were under the Senate's rule. It's just better the... than being shot. <laughs> I, I, would, I thought a lot about, uh, uh, and again, hearkening back to, I guess, personal experiences here. I thought a lot of the, uh, the Empire uh, 
in the in terms of like Genghis Khan, right? right. Like Genghis Khan's probably like has the highest like body count, both in the sexual term and <laughs> the, <laughs> the sexual definition, and also in like right. terms of like people killed yeah. of any person that's Responsible ever Responsible for the greatest number of both dead and live right. bodies, right? right. <laughs> but, but when when you when you look at my boy Timujin, his real name, yeah. uh, when you look at my boy Timujin, I mean. Literally, like, not, like, being over the top here, the foundations of, like, civilization as we know them today, a lot of it is built on reforms that he brought into place and standardization and normalization that the Mongol Empire, like, Well, I, I find it interesting that, that you categorize his conquest as reform. No, <laughs> I categorize the things that his ancestor, or not his ancestor, yeah, that his prodigy put in place after his death based on his conquests. There were a lot of reforms, right. put in but but it required no. a whole lot of death and destruction right. in order to institute that. Yes, yeah, I, I, exactly. And I'm just drawing a, a lot of comparisons here. I think, I mean, maybe this is another episode, but I think Genghis Khan was a net positive for humanity. Did terrible, awful, evil things, but was a net positive for humanity. I think that the empire is like Genghis Khan light. They don't even come close to Genghis Khan level atrocities, and they're creating the stability. And the certainty well, they and don't economic come close prosperity. To atrocities that we're aware of in a bunch of PG movies, right? <laughs> well, there is there is one atrocity. Should we just get Alderaan out sure. of the way here? Do you want right. to yeah, talk like, about? That's a really good example of what I'm talking about. That was a very functional democracy. Like, there was no indication that there was anything happening on Alderaan like slavery or hardship or misery it seemed like it was a fairly just, uto utopian planet. just treason that's all that was going on what's the what is the uh the sentence for treason in the united states if you're convicted of treason what happens to you jason well the argument for alderaan is that they were not the treasonous ones they weren't the ones who overthrew the government they were actively participating in a plot to subvert the government incite rebellion steal like high-level military plans and turn them over to a fanatical religious cult uh it was not alderaan <laughs> it was one diplomat on alderaan the the daughter of the ruler of alderaan right and the guy who was running the convenience store on the corner next to the alderaan you know palace paid a very very high price mm -hmm. that the the people who were actually involved in that uh were inst were instituting he he certainly wasn't stealing any plans from the Death Star. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with you about that. It, it's a tragedy, but it, it brings me back to the grandest of the moths. Uh, and I come back to my boy Tarkin, and there's a pretty clear line uh, that he says, I think it's in Rogue One. Uh, but the reason that he wants to use bring the Death Star online and use it is to bring, I believe the quote is, a swift and, a swift and decisive end to all rebellion in the universe. You have to think about the Death Star the way that you think about the deployment, like the U.S. deployment of nuclear weapons in World War II. Absolute freaking tragedy. A bunch of innocent people died, but how many innocent people were saved by the only wartime deployment of nuclear weapons? You're on the record on this podcast, Jason. Oh, I'm not debating saying that. saying that nuclear weapons create a more stable and peaceful world. Isn't the Death Star just the Star Wars universe equivalent of nuclear weapons? And if they're not used once, then the... The impact, the value that they have to peace and stability can never truly be, be achieved. But it was used more than once. It was only used once to destroy a planet. They could have destroyed other planets and chose not to. Single it's reactor, uh, single reactor, or it's like single reactor reaction. That doesn't sound right. But he literally has them power it down when they use it on Scarif. Right. 
To destroy a city to instead de of the planet. No, they didn't destroy a city. They destroyed their own base. No, it was the city that they had ransacked and were stealing all of the the kyber crystals to power the Death Star. No, they're stealing the... That's where they're stealing the plans for the Death Star from the Imperial, like, library. No, no, or whatever that was, was the second time they oh, used the Death right, Star. Oh, that's right, the other planet. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that's true. But never... It is, that, that was like carpet bombing Munich, right? Like, they could have done that with other weapons. Right. There's only one time they so actually they, they used it a to destroy a city, then one of their own bases, then a planet, and were about to destroy a moon when the rebels destroyed the Death Star. Right. They get two so full uses, that, just like the United States. They get so two full this deployments. This idea that they were going to use it twice like the U.S. and then not use them again for, you know, at, at least 100 years. Or, well, I guess we're at 70 years. That's clearly not what was happening with the Empire. Like, they were actively planning to use the Death Star continuously to to kill anyone who to bring was, a swift and final conclusion to needless conflict i don't think it was needless <laughs> okay well look if you're saying that the atrocity here with the destruction of alderaan who was definitely a military combatant who leia was definitely covering up covering up for everything she says like in the first like five minutes of her dialogue is all a lie literally everything she says is a lie but you yeah, she's lying to darth vader <laughs> yeah <laughs> But you want to look at it from a uh, pure, like, like just pure arithmetic, right? So if the Empire is evil for destroying Alderaan, and like arguably, yeah, an evil act, you shouldn't have done that. In terms of loss of life, roughly about 2 million people. So that's why if you go look it up, that was the uh, George Lucas official population of Alderaan. Appro 2 million Approximately people. 2 million. Yeah, Alderaan was a tiny planet, a small backwater planet. Alderaan's I, at 2 million. That makes zero sense to I'm me. just, I'm, I'm telling, well, back when Lucas wrote the script, 2 million was a lot of people, right? <laughs> no, it was still like a, like a single digit percentage of the US population. 2 million. That's the population of Alderaan. We can, we can look it up again after this okay. one and we can correct I, it. I think that's asinine. We, but... we can correct it next week. If you do the combined population of both of the Death Stars, including civilians, it's 3 million. So who who is really practicing genocide here? Who really has cosmic blood on their hands, Jason? See, is it the paltry 2 million perpetrated by the Empire, or is it the 3 million killed by the Rebellion when they destroyed the Death Stars? I knew this was going to come up. You've seen the movie Clerks, right? Yeah, yeah this argument in Clerks where he's yeah. like, yeah, what about like the drywall guys? And, right, yeah. right. And then the, the contractor comes in and he says, look, you know, I, from a real world, world perspective, you know, I had a guy who was in the mafia who offered me a bunch of money to come and re remodel his house, and I turned him down because as a contractor, you know, I, I, as a small business owner, I get to choose who I want to and don't want to work for. So if you chose to go and work on the Death Star, it's kind of your ass, no, right? That's, that, that, I agree with that argument, but it doesn't apply here, Jason. It applies to the guys who put in like the heating ducts on Hoth. It doesn't apply to the guys who took the government contract from the prevailing existing political system to go do a public works project. The Death Star was definitely not a public, <laughs> it absolutely public works was. project. How is the Death Star not a public it works project? It was a military project. Yeah, Unquestionably. It was a government contract. Well, it was there a government was definitely contract. a procurement office no, no, no. involved public in the construction of the Death building Star. building a dam. <laughs> building, building an aircraft carrier is not a public works project. You don't project. think the Manhattan Project was a public work? No, I do not. Well, how, that what was 100% you... a military project. But that's a public work. No, it is not. It's funded by taxpayer dollars. That... That's irrelevant. That's not the definition of public. It work. is a government project. A it is government a government con project. Yeah. So it, it's it's that not, is not the what mob. a public work the, the, is. Dude, the rebellion is the mob. The empire is the DOD. No. <laughs> no. Absolutely. No. No. The the 
the Empire. Hold on, say it again, but say it like Palpatine. No, no, no. no. <laughs> Ultimate power. <laughs> yeah. Um. No. So the I'm arguing that the Empire came to power through arguably illegitimate means and was subverting what was su- like was supposed to be a, a again a small l liberal democracy into an authoritarian state when it became the state i can't argue with you that you know as the state they can collect taxes and spend the money as they choose but in no way was the death star a quote unquote public work which is supposed to be you know a public work is for uh, the benefit of the public at large, not a defense of the, the nation state. And the Death Star was 100% about the defense of the nation state. Dude, the Death Star is the Manhattan project of the Star Wars universe. It is the ultimate peace-bringing project. It is the culmination of, it is the technological culmination of stability so, and prosperity. That's a fascinating way to put that, and this is why you're so fucking wrong. <laughs> Is that the Manhattan Project in no way, shape, or function, when it was enacted, was intended to be a peacekeeping operation. It was intended entirely to destroy enemies, and only later, because of the level of its destruction, did it become a political mechanism for peacekeeping. But the empire that was never the intent. But on the road to the uh, technology of long, long ago in a galaxy far, far away, we know physics is physics, right? So the the <laughs> yeah, pre if you, if you ignore lightsabers and yeah. mind control and yeah <laughs> the pre spacefaring generations of the Star Wars universe would have already been exposed to nuclear weapons and gone through their their own. Uh, growth trajectory and journey with those, and they would understand the body politic connected. I, again, connected there's absolutely no, there's no evidence of that whatsoever, and it, you're that you're assuming a linearity in science that does not exist. So you're saying if all technology was erased from the world today and we came back in 500,000 years, that nuclear weapons wouldn't be redeveloped? I'm saying it's not a certainty, but it's a prob. I mean, it's it's a pretty high statistical probability. No, I don't agree with that either. Hmm, interesting. Okay. Well, you're allowed to be wrong. I mean, I'm a nice guy. I'll no, uh, the, the, the development of nuclear weapons was an entirely political choice. It was not a scientific inevitability. Okay, well, I see the Death Star based off of actual uh, actual lines. I don't want to say lines because I, I don't want it to seem uh, fictional because this is not a fictional argument to me. Based off actual dialogue from characters in the Star Wars universe, Tarkin himself, the grandest of the moths, <laughs> saying that he wants to bring a swift and final conclusion to this conflict. Vader says himself when he's trying to bring Luke in off the edge, trying to stop him from killing himself because he loves him because he doesn't believe in death. (laughs) He says, let's join forces and end this destructive conflict. Just want the number two in charge of the whole thing. That is a complete misinterpretation of his motivations in that scene. They just want to end conflict. That's all they want, Jason. They just want peace. What Vader wants is an ally that is powerful enough that joined together, the two of them could actually take over the Empire by killing the Emperor. And end this destructive conflict. I agree. No, that second that's what, part was... That's what he says. No, it's not. He says, let's end this destructive conflict. That's a direct quote. Well, he's trying to end the fucking rebellion. Yeah. By the destructive destro- conflict, by killing the emperor and destroying the rebellion so that mm-hmm. he is the one in, in charge mm-hmm. as opposed to the emperor. Yeah. That's not... That's not about st- stability or the greatest good for the most number of people. That's about one individual believing that his ideas are better than everyone else's and he wants to impose his will on them. And I'm saying that he's right. 
and I'm saying that that is based off everything we've up. seen. And it's fucked up. But look at the Star Wars universe. It's Their not system right. is the only one that's it's worked. It's not right. Okay, so they're successful, right? They kill. So, there's a difference between success. No, I'm saying the and rebellion. Right. The rebellion's successful, right? Sure. Vader dies. Palpatine dies. The Empire collapses, and we fast forward to the J.J. Abrams trilogy. Right. What What's happened? An actual evil actor has come to power. Like the First Order is not the Empire, right? They're just interested in revenge, domination, and destruction, not in peace and stability and the long-term, uh, the long-term, you know, growth and prosperity of the empire. And what do they do? They up the ante and create Starkiller Base, which can which can destroy multiple planets at once on a scale, you know, I don't I don't know what the multiplier is, but at least like 100 times more deadly than the Death yeah, Star. Yeah, it's the thermonuclear bomb instead of the atomic bomb. Right. right. So under the New Republic's uh, jurisdiction under their guidance, basically like Osama bin Laden on like steroids is able to create the greatest and most destructive force beyond even what a nation state I is I can't believe I'm of. arguing this with a political scientist, but you understand that what we're talking about is a power vacuum, not a like a but that's unified the, giant government. But that's right? why the rebellion, that's why the rebellion is so irresponsible. You, why, like it's not responsible to like to create this destructive conflict as as my boy Anakin would say to create this destructive conflict without the ability to fill the power vacuum they made Why? it worse i i i disagree with that and i think that all the people who were killed by the empire would find that argument l- ludicrous i think all the people on the multiple planets that were destroyed by the first order would disagree with you well all of those people were the end like that was the rebellion right like they killed all the people who were the the rebellion, they didn't kill all of the other people who had lived under the repressive regime of the empire. They, there were innocent people on all those planets who had That's nothing true. to do with That's any true. of it, just as they were on the Death Star and in Alderaan. Well, the, the First Order's I, body I find count, it interesting that now there are innocent people on the Death Star. You were arguing <laughs> the counter to that a minute ago. No, but that's fine. there's innocent people on the Death Star. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the body count of the First Order dwarfs the empire like in their first military action yeah i think that's true so there it's worse the absence of the empire led to something worse there is no possible way to have predicted that outcome there is what are you talking about you you just said it's the creation of a power vacuum right you can a power vacuum by its fucking definition once again i can't believe i'm explaining this to somebody (laughs) with a degree in fucking political science is that there is nothing there it's not, it doesn't, the only thing it leads to inevitably is chaos. It, there's nothing That's why you shouldn't start a rebellion without a plan to fill the power vacuum. That's why the- re- If the- chaos is better than what you're destroying, I disagree with you. Chaos is not better than what you're destroying though. That's my point. Sure it is. It's better for oh. some people. So you, you think the chaos that allowed the first order to develop is preferable than the order and stability of the empire? I think that it depends planet to planet. It depends system to system, civilization to oh, so civilization. Oh, we should just let the states decide. Is that well, what you're saying, Jason? <laughs> I would rather have the states deciding than having an authoritarian government that is not answerable to anyone deciding for them. Yes. Okay. Well, I like to think of, you know, what's, uh, I think it's Winston Churchill who talks about this, like a democracy is defined on how it treats like its least fortunate mm-hmm. residents, right? So I like to kind of look at, like cultural, and I guess in the Star Wars universe, it's kind of like a species projection, right? So if we're saying that the Empire is, you know, objectively evil, and the uh, Republic and the New Republic are objectively good, and what they were doing was replacing a bad thing with a good thing, let's just look at 
how they treat the other then, Jason. Let's look, for example, at non-humans in in the Star Wars universe. Let's look at episode... Oh God, I just got to count my head. Episode six. So just the Ewoks, for example, mm-hmm. right? The Ewoks are living on... We've done this before. It's not Yavin 4 no. anymore. It's uh, Endor. 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 We, we always call Endor. Yeah, we, that, was a, that was our first We're Stupid, stupid. Okay, from yeah, the very so first episode. They, yeah. They're just hanging on Endor. From what I can tell, they've gone, who's the architect who builds the uh, environmentally sustainable houses uh, who everyone's trying to protect? The, not the Star Wars universe, Jason. Oh, the, the real okay, architect. I was, I was, did I totally <laughs> miss a movie here? Yeah. Yeah, like, <laughs> no. Um, uh, who's that guy? They always got to protect the houses that he builds. And he's got like waterfalls running through him and shit. Oh, uh... Frank, Frank Lloyd Wright. Yeah, Frank Lloyd Wright. The Empire The Empire has gone full Frank Lloyd Wright on Endor. They've built like these, uh, the shield generators that blend seamlessly into the jungle. They're leaving, <laughs> they're leaving no trace. The Ewoks seem to be going about their lives normally. They're in complete harmony in an absolute sustainable equilibrium with the local environment. Everybody seems to be getting along. And so that's why they just insanely decide to join with the rebels to fight the Empire. Oh, is that what happens, Jason? Or does Luke Skywalker brainwash them using the Force <laughs> and recruit them into their into their extremist and fundamentalist scheme to overthrow a stable government? Because There's that's what zero I, evidence leading, of that. Three uh, uh, PO, uh, tell them if we don't if they don't do what we say, you'll use your magic on them. Right. And, he he basically like makes them think he's a god and then leads them to their destruction. Makes the droid think that he, makes them think that the droid the, is the a droid god. is a god and then leads them to their destruction. Jesus. <laughs> he brainwashes them into a conflict that they're not interested in. They're living peacefully. They probably don't even know what the rebellion is or who the empire is. There's just guys in white pajamas hanging out who don't bother them. Right, it was complete and total manipulation. It wasn't at all that 3PO then told them a story that they found compelling and decided yeah. to side with the good the good people. Well, everything's good from a certain point of view, Jason. Jesus Christ. The Ewoks just got their, just got the rebellion's point of view. They were incited and manipulated into a conflict that had nothing to do with them. So on one hand, we have the Empire. Right, nothing to do with them, despite the fact that there was the Empire completely exploiting their planet and all of the resources exploiting to their Exploiting it how? They're, they're freaking ferns growing off the front door. They were totally integrated. They weren't even stepping on bugs, as far as I could tell. It was camouflage. That was not environmentalism. <laughs> All I'm saying is the Ewoks seem to be doing just fine with the Empire there, and all it took was, you know, four members of the Rebellion, and they're in the middle of the the greatest galactic conflict in history. So either the Ewoks are the most gullible species ever, or that argument was very compelling. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm just saying that I see how the Ewoks are treated here, and it's not much different with the Gungans or the Glitter Wolves. Well, the Gungans needed to go. Let's <laughs> let's be honest. But, but the Gungans, again, they're it's it's manipulation and tricks that get the Gungans involved from the very beginning. The poor little gl- Glitter Wolves, worst fucking name, and I'm always competing for the worst names in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> but the Glitter Wolves, uh, they're prob- they're just out doing it doggy style, minding their own thing, hanging in the cave. And all of a sudden, next thing they know, they're like the the, they're like Custer's cavalry charging down a star destroyer on whatever the probably the planet of death or whatever they called the one where the <laughs> where the emperor is hiding out in episode nine. They, they don't have anything to do with this. So time and time again, the empire's transitioning, even moving clones out of regulation, right? Just moving all this stuff to the side, letting species and people on their planets do their things, live their way of life as long as it as long as they follow the law, it's a lot like the Roman Empire. Keep your gods, do your thing, just stay in line and pay your taxes. 
And here come the, here comes Do the rebellion. What we tell you, and we the, won't kill you. That's okay. a really interesting governance stance. But then the rebellion comes in, come on, incites them to violence, leads them to death and destruction, destabilizes the system, and allows what? More death and destruction on a greater scale to be perpetuated throughout the galaxy. Well, I, I don't know that I would say it was more death and destruction. I think it was just, it was death and destruction brought about by randomness as opposed to very deliberate planned death and destruction. and. Quite frankly, I would prefer that. All right. Well, this uh, I think we're, you know, like three parsecs away here from, uh, from an answer, <laughs> Jason. But th- I'll give you my, uh, my viewpoint here on, my, on the stupid, not stupid question here and if the Empire were the good guys. I think my position is pretty clear, but I want to go on the record and say, I don't think the Empire was great. And I do think that the Rebellion has the right idea. They just don't have the ability to execute it. And I'm not saying this would have been a great series of movies, although by the time we got to seven, eight, and nine, this might have been a better movie. <laughs> but I don't think the rebellion should have started an army. They should have started a nonprofit or a political party. Like that's that how they should have been stamped out immediately. No, you gotta you gotta change things from the inside. Like maybe Luke should have actually gone to the academy. You know, rose to the ranks and become a moth. But this once is Tarkin the... dies or retires or he gets his head cryogenically frozen or whatever they do. That he could have made change from the inside, Jason. But this is this is the exact argument against authoritarianism: is that there is no mechanism for change. There's no mechanism for change in the Galactic Empire. They literally of a planet was being fully uh, blockaded, and people were being you know killed by at a catastrophic rate, and the Senate was incapable of action. Right, but that again is like we see that happening in democracy all the time and this is this is the argument between like parliamentary democracy versus a two-party system is that the more people involved in the conversation the less efficient the conversation the less uh uh, agile the less nimble the decision-making apparatus is and that results in bad things happening with some frequency because you can't react to real-time situations but it doesn't mean that it's a bad form of government you know, authoritarianism is really good at reacting to things in real time very quickly. What it's terrible at doing is administrating to the needs of many over a long period of time. Well, so then you have to you have to pick then, Jason. There's good or bad. So I, I'm actually I agree with the statement you just made. So, <laughs> but the caveat to that is that honeymoon period of time you're talking about is the honeymoon period of time where the empire existed. So we have three trilogies here. Mm-hmm. We have three distinct periods of time. So we have the the prequels. So I, I know Old Repo- Republic means something else in Star Wars canon, but we'll say the Old Republic, the Empire, and the New Republic. You as, you know, Jason Callahan, moisture farmer, which right. one do you want to live in? I would have preferred to have lived in the Old Republic. The, the, <laughs> the Old Republic that was incapable of action, caught up in a galactic-wide war between corporations and the state. Yeah, because at least it was predictable and there were areas that you could go that got you away from that that were more chaotic and far more dangerous. Where you could be captured and sold into slavery. That's true. But those areas existed. And within the system, there was still the possibility for change, albeit in the margins as opposed to like wholesale large democratic change that just didn't exist under the empire. And the quote unquote new republic that you're defining, I don't think was a republic in any any real sense well, no, because, because it, it got was, vaporized they were trying to yeah they were trying to rebuild some form of governance in a power vacuum which is inherently chaotic so i like i don't think of it as a new republic i just think of it as the post-empire period a power vacuum they created right because the goal of the rebellion was not to set up and establish some utopian government 
It was to destroy the the authoritarian government. That's that the, was their goal, and they accomplished it. <laughs> well, by that metric, they were successful. Right. Yeah. Now, I agree with you. It's not optimal to destroy this, this horrible thing with nothing to replace it. But you know, as you have pointed out, they were not a big group. <laughs> Uh, well, I'm uh, I'm clearly on uh, on Team Empire, Jason. I'm saying not stupid. The Empire were comparatively the good guys, and I want to live in a place where I can spend my Imperial credits wherever I want. I can join the Imperial Infantry and rise through the ranks based off of my own blaster proficiency and uh, <laughs> ability to pull that dial that goes and then shoots a laser beam out of a spaceship. I want to be able to do all of that stuff based off of who I am and uh, what I'm capable of, not uh, not on if I'm a an elected queen from Naboo or a uh, a mafia member from like the recesses of the outer See, rim. This idea that the the empire was somehow a meritocracy is just absolutely ludicrous. There is no such thing as a meritorious <laughs> autocracy. That's not how it works. I would man, we're gonna go really off the rails if I say this, but I'm gonna do it anyway. <laughs> like based totally on the fact that the empire was an empire ruled by the Sith means that it is by definition a meritocracy because you can only become a Sith Lord by besting as an apprentice your master. Thus being a, like that is like the demonst- that is the definition yeah, of a but meritocracy. But you have to be a, a Sith meritor- to even participate in that, in, in any of that conversation. But that, no, I, I would say that that ideology probably applies to the whole system. Uh, that's a, a stretch that I simply don't see any evidence of. Okay. Well, Jason, I, I feel really like, good about to this. To me, like to me, the only meritocracy I saw is that if you failed, Darth Vader would choke you out from another <laughs> ship. Like, like success didn't lead to promotion. The death of your su- superior because he had fucked up led to your promotion. That was not a meritocracy at all. I, I, I got to say, Jason, I find your lack of faith disturbing. <laughs> I, I don't know what else to say. I actually feel really good about this one because we've been agreeing too much lately. I think we had like four or five episodes like, out of 10 where we were like in agreement. So yeah. we literally have zero common ground on this one. Yeah, and it exactly. Makes, I feel 100% gr- I feel great yeah. about it. So, okay. Last question then. Wh- which is less stupid? The Empire were the good guys or Darth Jar Jar? The Empire were the good guys is less stupid. Really? Yeah. Wow, you didn't fight this hard on Darth Jar Jar as you fought on this. I thought it was going to be the opposite. Well, I thought that Darth Jar Jar was self-evidently dead. <laughs> <laughs> and I felt like you actually brought up some good points on this one. <laughs> okay, well, um, Jason, uh, now that I've established myself as uh, the um, definitive final word on this, and I've implemented a solution <laughs> that provides stability in order to the to, arena to in your which, new empire, to my, <laughs> to my new empire, uh, then I now I look forward to you, uh, you know, piecing together one or two of your friends yeah. and uh, through terrorism and religious fundamentalism, destroying it with absolutely no plan to replace it. Yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll run my X wing car into your <laughs> giant house fortress, and yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, Jason. May the force be with you, and also with you. <laughs>
the Death Star, right? Yeah. Now, the first one was completed and fully operational before the Rebels destroyed it. We'll blow it up. Give credit where credit's due. And the second one was still being built when they blew it up. Compliments of Lando Calrissian. Something just never sat right with me that second time around. I could never put my finger on it, but something just wasn't right. And you figured it out. The first Death Star was manned by the Imperial Army. The only people on board were stormtroopers, dignitaries, Imperials. Basically. So when they blew it up, no problem. Evil's punished. And the second time around? The second time around, it wasn't even done being built yet. It was still under construction. So? So a construction job of that magnitude would require a hell of a lot more manpower than the Imperial Army had to offer. I'll bet they brought independent contractors in on that thing. Plumbers, aluminum siders, roofers. And not just Imperials. Is that what you're getting at? Exactly. In order to get it built quickly and quietly, they'd hire anybody that can do the job. Think the average stormtrooper knows how to install a toilet main? All they know is killing in white uniforms. All right, so they're bringing independent contractors. Why are you so upset at its destruction? All those innocent contractors brought in to do the job were killed. Casualties of a war they had nothing to do with. All right, look, you're a roofer. Some juicy government contract comes your way. You got a wife and kids, the two-story in suburbia. This is a government contract, which means all sorts of benefits. Along come these left-wing militants that blast everything within a three-mile radius with their lasers. You didn't ask for that. You have no personal politics. You're just trying to scrape out a living. Excuse me, I don't mean to interrupt, but uh, what are you talking about? The ending of Return of the Jedi. My friend here is trying to convince me that any independent contractors who are working on the uncompleted Death Star were innocent victims when they were destroyed by the rebels. Well, I'm a contractor myself. I'm a roofer. Done already, home improvements. And speaking as a roofer, I can tell you a roofer's personal politics comes into play heavily when choosing jobs. Like when? Three weeks ago, I was offered a job up in the hills. Beautiful house. Tons of property. A simple reshingling job. They told me if I could finish it in one day, I would double my price. Then I realized whose house it was. Whose house was it? Dominic Bambino's. Babyface Bambino? The gangster? The same. The money was right, but the risk was too high. I knew who he was, and based on that, I turned the job over to a friend of mine. Based on personal politics. Right, and the next week, the Foresi family put a hit on Babyface's house. My friend was shot and killed. Didn't even finish reshingling. No way. I'm alive because I knew the risk involved in that particular client. My friend wasn't so lucky. Any contractor working on that Death Star knew the risk involved. If they got killed, it's their own fault. A roofer listens to this. 